Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Bulldogs Fans Podcast. I'm Scott and I'm joined by Matt. How are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Good, good. And by popular demand, and he's in our top five podcast ever episodes, we've got Andy Raymond back on the show. How are you, Andy? Hey, legends. How are you? I'm good. How's, uh, how's your off-season been? It's a long one. It's a tough one. It's been made easier by the uh, trials being on TV and our real preseason on TV uh, for people like us who are just footy nerds. It's one of the best things uh, to happen for a while. Um, But even even with that, it has been a long off-season. Yeah, exactly right. I I love my cricket. Uh, I'm a a cricket tragic, actually. Watch every day of every test match, uh, both home and away. I'll watch the, the 50 over games. I try to catch most of the 20 over games. I love it, but there's nothing like rugby league uh, to get, you know, to get it all going and get the emotion and the tribalism going. So looking forward to it. It's the best uh, best time of the year, I reckon, just that week before. I don't know, the week before, you know, anything's possible. Everyone's the same chance. Everyone's on the same amount of wins and losses. It's... Mm. Uh, trials, yes. I mean, the Bulldogs didn't go overly too well in their trials. Um, mm. However, it, the real stuff starts in a, about a week's time. But I yeah. thought we'll quickly, I know it's the Bulldogs fans podcast, but we've got an eel tragic and I thought the eels had a good win on the weekend against uh, Panthers. I know it's a trial, but what we could quickly touch up on that before we dive into the Bulldog stuff. Right. Last time we went well in the trials, um, I think it was Nathan Brown when he was coaching Newcastle came out and said Parramatta should be the competition favourites. Well, we got the wooden spoon. We sucked. Um, <laughs> so he's hoping we don't suck. It's 1986, a long time ago. Just, just something. Just one. Just one. <laughs> Enough so, parrot talk. You, you'll, you'll have people turning off. Yeah. So you're saying the Bulldogs are favourites to make the eight then after their trial fall? Maybe. Yeah, I'm, I still don't know what to what to make at trials. I, I really don't. Um, and there'll be 50% of us with egg on our face come round one because we think we've seen something in the trials that, that's really important. Um, I think what it comes down to is the players are, are trying their, their backsides off, but it, it's still a trial and some players need that that mental challenge or the psychological challenge to bring out the best in their, in their Mm. physical. And you can treat it as important. You can treat it as serious. Um, But if that spark's not there, you're not there. So, you know, it'll all change by round one, by the end of round one, we, we may have a better idea. Absolutely. Well, we've got you on, Andy, to talk specifically about the Bulldogs and have a little bit of a pre-season preview. Uh, I didn't say that right today. A season yeah. preview. Yeah, season pre- <laughs> pre-season preview. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm with you. We'll go a season preview. Uh, obviously, the Dogs' uh, trial form wasn't as good as we would hope. 16 all draw with the Knights in uh, week one, and then 30 points to six loss against yeah. the Sharks. We've got some talking points here, Andy, but I think we're just going to have a free-flowing conversation and see where we end up. But what was yeah. your what's your thoughts after seeing the Dogs play two trials? Yeah. Um, oh, look, it was always a 
concern of mine for the Bulldogs, and look, we've been over the fact I'm a paratragic. I am also a massive fan of the Bulldogs. I grew up in that Dogs of War era with uh, Gillespie and Brian Batiste and Stevie Folks and those guys. So I'm a huge Bulldogs fan. Their recruitment, I think they went out and just got who they could, um, irrespective of the position. If you looked at what the Bulldogs issue was over the last couple of years, many would say it was the, the very middle of the park and an organiser. Um, I don't know if Matt Burton's that organiser. He's brilliant. He is absolutely brilliant. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if at this young age he is that organiser. Josh Adokar's fabulous, but he's a winger, and a winger relies on every other player in the side doing their role and getting over their opponent before they even have the chance to try and get over their opponent. Um, I was really disappointed in the Bulldogs against the Sharks and you guys are Bulldogs tragics and, and I don't know if the alarm bells are maybe ringing or if they're screaming but uh, if I was a Bulldogs fan I'd have the alarm bells screaming at the moment and, and trying to figure out what the hell that was that they dished up uh, against the Sharks. I thought really worrying signs sadly guys. Unfortunately, I don't agree with you, Andy. Mm. Um, I was hoping to see not necessarily wins, but maybe having that game a bit tight and see a little bit of spark yep. out of some of the new players that had come to the team. And, we, mm. and to be fair, Matt Burden's try was good. Yep. Matt Burden had a couple of good touches. I think uh, your point as wingers rely on every other player on the field was mm. proven in that game. I didn't see Adekar get the ball in an attacking opportunity too many times. I think most of yep. it was just bringing it back from kicks. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, we said earlier, we're footy nerds. I sat down, watched every mm. trial game. Uh, and unfortunately, the team that I'm least excited for this season is my own team. Yeah, that, that's sad when you start a season like that. And, and having the Eels had their last premiership in 1986, don't you think there's been a few bloody times since then that I'll, I've started the season the same way? Um, so many question marks. Um, mm -hmm. I th Gee, it's easy to throw stones from my position. And that's not me by nature. By nature, I'm a positive guy. Um, I, I avoid controversy and the crap talk because there's enough of that in, in the game. I didn't like what Trent Barrett did last year. I really didn't. I think there's a huge question mark over Trent as a, as a legitimate head coach. Last year, I thought, he stunted the growth of Jake Avarillo, of Kyle Flanagan, of uh, Jackson Topine, um, Bailey Biondiodo. There's another one in there that I am missing. Another one of the halves. Brandon Wakeham. There were changes far too early in the season for my liking in the spine. I think every coach should know their 17 best players well in advance of round number one. And if that 17 is chosen as your best 17, you give them the opportunity. You give them the chance 
to prove you wrong. And if they do prove you wrong over a number of weeks, not one or two, then you start making changes. What he did with Kyle Flanagan, and I'm quite sure there's deeper issues there. What he did with Kyle last year in one week, out for four, in for one game on the bench, I, I thought it was horrific. But it didn't only reflect on Kyle, it reflected on Jake, on Bailey, on Brandon. Because if they, if he wasn't settled, no one was actually getting a fair chance. Now, apart from Matt Burton wearing number six, are we any clearer on who is going to be wearing number seven and or number 14? Well, with the number seven one, I think it's clear that uh, Barrett uh, wants Avarillo. Mm. Um, if you look at his name seven in both trials... Uh, I love Avarillo as a player. I loved when he burst onto the scene playing in centre, coming off the bench, getting his hands on the ball around the ruck. But mm. um, and no no disrespect to Jake Avarillo. Like I said, I love him as a player. I don't know if he's a halfback, especially yeah. a halfback with Matt Burton. They're too similar. They're the, they both yeah. want to run with the ball. I think we need that organising halfback. Benji Marshall came out today and said it has to be Flanagan or it should be Flanagan. Uh I wish it was. I want to see Flanagan get 12 weeks yep. to see what he can do. But um, the question was, are we any clear? I will, I'd say yes, Andy. It's going to be Avarillo. There's no sign show. I guess it's not going to be. Matty, I, I tend to agree with you. And I'll, I'll preface this by saying Trent Barrett knows more about uh, football and the way he wants to play than I do. I'm just presenting a counterpoint. I agree with you that Jake Avarillo is probably a little too similar to... Matt Burton to be an effective six and seven. Um, we highlighted Burton, or you did, and said he, he needs the organiser. That's Kyle Flanagan. I mean, that that is exactly how he is trained um, and, and what his best asset is. And I also think, and, and agree with you, Matty, that, um, that Jake Avarillo, at this stage in his career at this stage, is probably better suited for himself and for the team as a 14. I do agree. Uh, Avril, I think 14, or even at the centres, I think was best suited for the team, even though yep. the Bulldogs have got a stacked line of outside backs now and centres. Yep. Uh, we do have a lot, so probably. But the 14 where he could cover, he can, you know, he can cover half if injury. But the thing that uh, concerns me with Kyle Flint, we, we knew last the last two years with uh, COVID interrupting our Cup, New South Cup and reserve grade for the NRL. Um, Flanagan was sent back. He played like a game or two from memory for the Mounties before the season was scrapped, cancelled, put away for the season. Mm. So how is someone like Kyle Flanagan meant to work on fundamentals when he's got nowhere to work on apart from the training paddock? There's one thing doing on the training field, but there's another thing doing it on game day. I didn't think... I mean, I think he came on with a lot of expectation. People... We're trying yep. to say he's the saviour. The media were beating him up as he will be the saviour for the Bulldogs. Mm. This is, you know, your long-term number seven. I think that was a great start for someone who's so young. Yeah, He wasn't like a Cooper Cronk who, you know, won premierships for Melbourne and walked mm. into Canterbury. That wasn't yep. anything like that. that. I would understand that type of media hype for a Cronk type of halfback. Um, but I don't know if there's a personality clash because it looks like I I was actually speaking to Matt uh, after the trial and he highlighted that Kyle Flanagan looked very annoyed 
like on his on the bench, he was just calling kneeling there. There was ten minutes yep. left on the clock. I'm like, we haven't thrown him on yet. Like Burton's already came off, Avrilos came off, and we still got Flanagan kind of just sitting mm. there, um, waiting for his opportunity to get on. Mm. And then he gets five minutes and he drops the ball because um he's got five minutes. Like what yeah. is he meant to do? Thirty to six down, he's not gonna win you the game with five minutes. He's no, no one's that good. And um you got the young sharks uh pack that came on. Um that we're trying to make a name in front of their new coach and they'll just rushing everything and trying to yep. be aggressive in defense. Um, and, you know, Flanagan got a, probably not the best ball. He probably should have been, been caught, but there was, what else could he do really? Like he's got five minutes. Yeah. yeah. He, he had five minutes and look that, you know, that for me, that's just a carryover from last year. That's how mm. he was treated last year. Um, I agree with Benji Marshall. Um, I think Kyle Flanagan is actually a genuine long-term 150, 200-game NRL halfback. It didn't work out at the Roosters for whatever reason. Um, and, and I think there was obviously some type of clash there as well. But if you have a look at his numbers from the Roosters in the games that he played, nothing wrong with what he did. Maybe he didn't reach expectation. But there were nothing wrong with his numbers there. And there was nothing wrong with his, you know, all his kick numbers were up, his tackle numbers, his line break numbers. Um, he, he just didn't get a fair chance last year. And look, that's going to be the case with a, a lot of young playmakers in 2022. If we see injuries to the six and sevens at, at clubs, um, depends who they've got as backup. Uh, because a lot of blokes haven't played a lot of footy for a long, long time because of COVID. Those 22, 23, 24-year-old blokes might have only played a handful of games over over 18 months, two years. Mm, no, it's, it's going to be interesting when, um, I don't know, we don't know if COVID's going to rip through the NRL season this year. Players yeah. looks like you could be spending 14 days if they test positive uh, out, even if, mm. well, that's what, we won't know until I suppose we get further. So we could have yeah. players who have only played like five or six competitive <laughs> games in the last two yeah. years. Um, mm. Then getting told, hey, you're playing in our role this week. Weekend. Hey, con- congratulations. Here's your jersey now. Go and tackle Payne Haas. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And not to, not to pile on, but is it, Andy, is it the style that Barrett wants the Bulldogs to play? Because a lot of fans have reacted to the, the result against Cronulla. Uh, we've seen it on social media. Um, how Sorry, Maddie, if I can interrupt, how has, uh, how has the feedback from the doggies? I know you're, in a, you're an aggressive lot and you demand success. I haven't seen on social media. Um, I've been busy here. Um, what's the reaction been around, um, around the loss and around how it was handled by Trent? Overview of it is that uh, very disappointed. Yep. Uh, and the the most, I guess, loud result uh, opinion coming through is more of the same, regardless of the fact that you've got these superstars in the team now. Yep. Um, it was more of the same. So that's yep. where I was sort of getting at with yep. with that question, the style of play, regardless of the fact that Burden's there, Adokar's there, Layden's there, Pegai Junior's there, um, Paul Vaughan in the front row. It looked like the Bulldogs of last year. I tell you, uh, and this is a story going back, and I'm, I'm just writing a couple of names down here. Um, I've got it so I don't forget. In my podcast, I, I, I 
chat with a lot of the, the coaches and or players from years past. And it might have been the Craig Bellamy interview or it might have even been a private conversation with Craig. Let's forget that it was private and it was for public consumption. <laughs> and he was telling me at a time, and admittedly had, he had some superstars coming in, but he had to basically revamp the way his footy side played footy because the roster was so different. The roster couldn't play his style of footy. So he had to overhaul his whole attack to play a style that suited the footy players. So you have, have a real good think about that. It's not a generic footy style saying you there, you there and you there and do it this way. You're looking at the side saying, He's good at this, he's good at this, he's good at this. How do I use their assets? How do I hide uh, their vulnerabilities and make them better? Wayne Bennett has changed his style a couple of times depending on his roster. Brian Smith did it a couple of times. Craig Bellamy, Ricky Stewart, and also Tim Sheens going back to the Tigers when they won the Premiership in the mm -hmm. mid-2000s. Uh, so on that very note, I'm going to say to you, is Trent Barrett too stuck in his coaching ways and philosophy? And is he too pig-headed to say, okay, this isn't suiting my players, so I'm going to bring the best out of my players by doing what's best for them. Um, really interesting point. And a good coach will tinker, will change for the betterment of the team and he'll almost scrap his own philosophies. A stubborn coach will continue to do what he has done that hasn't been successful. I think, yeah, I think with the Penrith, uh, here we had the, the, the cattle, the probably one of the best spines like in when he was assistant coaching Penrith. Um, I think he knows how to work a certain way and he wants to, like, he has recruited heavily from Penrith. Um, and it, it's obvious to me that he's must be a popular guy. Uh, he got Josh Adokar before Phil Gill got there. He got a few signings before Gus got there. And he must be, must talk passionately, must be easy to like as a person. So it must be yeah. easy for a player to play under yeah. him. He, I don't know, he must be a top local or he, just something they like about him. Yeah. But I do get that feeling. We, the trials, I thought my biggest thing with the trials was I want to see a different style. Even if it didn't work, even or not that it didn't work, at least there was a different style was being attempted. Yep. It looked like the Bulldogs from the last three years, but with mm. better players in the side. Um, like with Dufty at the back and um, you got Adokar, um, the wing and all that, looked like a, a small star-studded team that Dean Pay had. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. But it looked like the same... Um, it just looks same with some of the old. And I was wanting, even if we had some sort of plays that we might have butchered because, you know, a bit of rust, a bit of, you know, the mm. ball going over the winger's head and, you know, you could have seen if it hit the chest, the winger's in the corner mm. just, or something like that. But the tries we got against Newcastle was a Dufty picked up a loose ball and just yep. backed his speed. It's great to have a fullback like that. We haven't had a, a really fast fullback in a while. Yep. And it's nice to have a player who can turn something into nothing. But we mm. cannot rely on a player to turn something into nothing to get us points. And that's what he did. And then we also had another runaway try uh, where yeah. uh, Ockenball scored on the wing where um, young, uh, is it a Tommy? Poor Tommy uh, got tackled. Uh, Alamotti. Alamotti, sorry. My, yeah. yeah. The young, yeah, young center who uh, yep. picked up a loose ball again 
uh, because Declan Casey's big hit and picked up mm. the ball and it just went flying down the left side. Mm. And then it was just, they were short on the other side. It was 101 footy. You run yeah. line break on that side. You've got mm. to go back the other side because it's got to be short somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and then Ockenball fell over and it was a nice pass from Dufty and all, but it was pretty mm. 101. Uh, the yeah, it was. The break that it wasn't that, that. And we scored two length of the range tries and I felt Newcastle were a better side mm. on the day. And then when we didn't have that luck where we couldn't get a loose ball yeah. against Cronulla or like Penga Jr. trying to rip jerseys off, um, we couldn't get a, a drop or, you know, yeah. that just that type of thing where an intercept happened um, mm. when we couldn't score off them, um, we looked the same with the old. So we can't rely yeah. on Dufty or uh, a fast outside back like Adokar to pick up the crumbs and just yeah. run the length. I think the best example to answer that question, Andy, is Josh Jackson. Josh yep. Jackson's a champion player, a Bulldog legend, regardless yep. of what happens from, from now forward. He'll go down as a Bulldog's legend. But I don't yep. see him as a ball-playing lock. He's no. not Isaiah Yo, uh, mm. And he looks like he's being forced to play that yep. style. Uh, and I don't point. think that matches his strengths. But, uh, yeah, I like you have a point. look at the forward pack, um, and Josh Jackson's still a first grader. Uh, Jack Hetherington is the big intimidating thing that just needs that much polish, just just a little bit, yeah. just to avoid the issues. Uh, Luke Thompson at most other sides with a bit of assistance is one of the best front rowers in the game. He's big, he's strong, he's tough. He can't do it himself. So there's three guys in the middle of the field that would suggest to me, maybe ball playing in the middle of the field isn't our strength. Mm. Maybe, maybe we're going to bash you and we're going to keep bashing you uh, in the middle until you submit and then we'll let the blokes on the outside do their thing. Because you're right, Josh isn't, you know, Josh um, and the other two guys, you know, they're probably not seen as as flashy ball players. They're just full of ticker players and blokes that I'd have in my team any day. Mm. I was even looking at old highlights in the off-season and seeing Josh Jackson on an edge. I think it was very underrated how good of a line runner he yes. was, and he hit yeah. holes like he was scoring tries in you know twenty twelve an early stage of his career just for yep. fun. He was as good as any back rower. Yeah, he was. And then I've never liked the idea of him playing lock. I think mm. that he's better on an edge. Um, and he's he's still got that work. Like he does the workhorse. He never lets you down in the middle. Yep. But yeah, it like Matt said, I've never really thought about it. But Isaiah, he's not him. Isaiah no. is Isaiah. Um, Jake Javoyevich is Jake Javoyevich. That's their bread and butter. But yeah, I have yep. to agree. They're, they're big. Our forwards are big and strong. Um, maybe at best they, they can get some second phase footy with an offload, a late offload. Yeah. Yep. Um, which um, but it seems that we want to play. Uh, this that everyone's got a lock or everyone wants a lock it's, that can play that. It's a copycat league, right? Yeah, the team, yeah it's, the teams of that are going successful in playing that ball playing lock doesn't mean we mm. should. We don't have a player to. Maybe our third ball player is Avarillo at fullback, chiming in when he can, not a lock forward in the attacking zone. I'm not saying that's the answer. I'm just saying there's other ways to play. Uh, mm. I don't think there's a lock in our team that could play the way uh, Victor Radley does or Brandon Smith does. Isaiah, yeah, so. Mm. Anyways, yeah. you touched on Heverington, Andy. What do you think of him as a second rower? Uh, strange decision, I, I think. Um, look, he, he does have uh, he does have some ball playing ability. You need that ball playing ability. He's got that nice 
almost swimmers type frame, like long and lean, get the ball up over the shoulders of the half, you know, to, to your centres, which is great in the in the ball playing. I don't know if he's as mobile as you need on the edge. Um, that's obviously something they've, they've worked on over the off-season. Put it this way, Jack Hetherington is is a prop in my footy side. He's, he's not a second rower. What about Tavita Pingo Jr.? He played in the middle for Penrith. I was excited when... Uh, mm. well, when we, sorry, when we first signed him, he was at Brisbane. Yep. I was like, uh, like, as in, you know how talented he is yeah. and how good he can be when he wants to be. Then yeah. he goes to Penrith and then it looked like this whole attitude shift hit at Penrith. Mm. And then I was like, no, I'm excited for this person to put on yep. the blue and white jersey. He played a bit of middle off the bench yep. for Penrith and he was hard to stop. And I, then, think, I think Tavita could be a 13. Mm. I, I, I think he might be, you know... He might be a solution there for, for Maddie's conundrum. Maybe we put Tavita in 13. We put uh, Josh Jackson. It's a direct swap, isn't it? It's mm. a direct swap. Um, I can look, guys, a concern here, and again, it goes back to Trent Barrett. Who improved last year as an individual under Trent? So, uh, is, there a, is, is there a player there? Oh, I honestly, oh, I was going to say... Maybe you could mount a case for Aaron Ship, perhaps. Yeah, but... yeah Aaron, um, he was given his, his chance. And right. I, think he's a, I think he's a superstar too. I, I really do. Uh, I love what Aaron's doing. Um, and I think he is going to be a long-term elite level centre in the game. But, again, if the centres and wingers aren't going to matter if you're getting bent in the middle and, mm. and, and something's got to give there. Some, something's got to give um, the turning over of the ball. When you're playing the Bulldogs last year and what happened against the Sharks in the trial, the opposition is winning each set by 10 metres. No big deal. Like, doesn't sound a big deal. Ah, 10 metres. Over six sets, it's more than half the field. And it is impossible for Canterbury to go anywhere or do anything but to try and just hold on. Um, and that's what we saw time and time again last year. Sure, a couple of sides scored a couple of long-range tries against your mob last year. They did. Most of it was just sustained pressure because you guys are back foot, back foot, back foot. Here they come again because we've lost the previous set and we lost the set before that. Um, so, again, comes back to style of play, but comes, again, back to the middle. I see nothing wrong with, with you know, Luke Thompson and Jack Hetherington as, as you know, the two big battering rams up front. Um as long as we can keep it, you know, below the collarbone, um, two great blokes to start a game and and soften up the opposition. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Uh, the one thing I do like about Heverington at second row, and I agree with you, I think he's a prop, but the one thing mm -hmm. I do like at Heverington's second row is that because he's a little bit wider, I don't know if he's going to lose his head yep. less. Just being out of that, that wash machine, I guess you could call it, um, yep. might give him that extra second to 
yeah. to not snap. Um, speaking yep. about snapping, Pengai Jr., we've touched on it, back to his old ways. Yeah. Uh, he was ill-disciplined, picking fights, looking to pass too much when he should just use his frame. Yep. Um, it sounds like negative or negative, but we'll get to some positive later. But um, that was disappointing. Yeah, it, it was. Um, and I'm uh, fortunate enough to know Tavita on a personal level. Uh, as a bloke, um, you know, and we're, we're different generations. I couldn't talk to him about, you know, today's news or, or you know, what he's been up to, but, but we have a chat. Um, and to me, as a, as a guy that's old enough to be his dad, to be honest, he's always been respectful. He's always been polite. He's always been engaging. He's been, you know, firm handshake. He's always been honest. Um, and that's, that's all I can ever ask for in anyone, a bit of honesty and being upfront, being polite and being respectful. So as a human, I've got a lot of time for him. What the hell happens when someone flicks that switch on his ass? I, I sat there watching the other night thinking, what a great opportunity because it was physical and it was, you know, really enjoyable. I thought this is a really good opportunity for Tavita in one performance to turn around the perception that most have of him. And he made it worse. I, I couldn't believe what I saw the other night. And I tell you what, I also reckon he's bloody lucky that he missed out on getting charged. I thought that elbow on the, the fallen player. Um, mm, off the I've, kick, I've, yeah. Off from the kick, yeah. Mm. I've seen blokes suspended for, for multiple weeks for that. And with Tavita's record, his next suspension's not going to be a week or two. It's going to be even longer. I think he's lucky to be playing round one. I would love to see him fulfil his potential or get somewhere close to it. But with his brain snaps continuing um, and continuing in his first real big outing, I, I thought that was a worry. Well, you might have got a, a boxing match to call out of it. Yes. Yeah. What about <laughs> what about that big Roycey saying let's let's glove up in the off season? Yeah, I didn't hear that one. But um, what? How do we? How would you? I don't know. Get the best out of Tavita because at Penrith he looked very calm and just did his job. Just used his big frame. Like I would hate to be the halfback when he's playing back row. Oh, like he just never yeah. ran. Like um, and then like I didn't mind him ripping at the the jersey when he made the tackle. It was mm. after, and then while the tackle was getting done, he was just still obsessed with the jersey. Then the fight kind of erupts. Yep. There was nothing wrong with the contact. The contact was good, and then he gets contact carried away. Yeah, he gets carried away over the top. But what, one of my concerns was when Bulldogs were pinned for an obstruction try, which I think was quite obvious. When the referee blew it live, I saw it live, and I was like, "Yeah, that's going to go up to the bunker any second and be yep. pulled back any minute." And then he was involved in that, and his argument mm. with the referee was getting very heated. Uh, with the referee, he had a lot to say. Um, yeah, that, to that, was disre- that was actually just, dis- that was across the line. I thought he was disrespectful. He said, change the effing rules then mm. on one occasion. He swore again at him. Um, look, we're all big enough. We've all heard the, the words before and it, it doesn't bother me, you know, what I hear or see on TV or, or in normal conversation. Um but, but, but kids pick up on that if we try if we are trying to grow the game. Um, it's an attitude problem, to be mm. honest. If, if you're arguing with a ref and swearing at a ref, the issue is yours, mate. It's not anyone else's. Mm. 
And my uh, concern, like I have no problem with a player showing passion. I have no player yep. problem with a player um, maybe questioning the referee in a sense of maybe asking for an interpretation of the rule yep. or what, like, what, like why or the process of it coming back as a no try when we'll get like I know it's a last year's thing. Um, I can understand a player, but to have um, him have a go at Peter Goff, the referee. Uh, yeah. Whatever you think of his performance or not as a referee that night, um, I'm concerned because if this is happening in round one against North Queensland um, and a moment goes against Canterbury and Tavita Pengai's having a go at the referee, getting concerned, mm. apparently happens. I'm concerned there's a high tackle or some sort of foul yep. play. And then we've got Tavita six weeks yep. on the sideline. Uh, that type of thing. Like, he needs to I want him to be aggressive. I want him to be passionate, mm. but I want him to in the right areas. Like, put a big shot on legally to get a loose ball or lift the team up that way. But yep. it doesn't seem positive when he's even having to got the referee in a trial game when the game was lost. The game wasn't yeah. going to be won if we got that try. It wasn't yep. like we're back in it with a slim chance on a trial mm. game. We're gone and out, and we were just hoping to get two tries instead of one. Tavita, along with a few others, and let's be really honest here, they're on their last chance, um, which should which should mean physical and mental preparation is at all-time levels for all of them to give them the best chance individually of succeeding. But it should also guarantee no attitude and no crap. Um, is Tavita going to get another chance? If, if, if 2022 turns pear-shaped for Tavita Pangai Jr., given his history... Given his reputation, is he going to get a gig anywhere else? I'd say no. I think he might be lucky with Penrith again with Ivan Cleary, as mm. that's the only way I could think that might give him a shot because he had. The, but then again, it was only a very, very short stint at Penrith. Yeah, they they, they, they mightn't have the the money that he would like to, you know, like to grab on his day. Good enough to be a starting forward at any club terrific footballer and as I said terrific bloke I just don't I don't get how that bloke can change I, I don't understand it I love the passion I love the fact he takes it personally I love the aggression I love the fact that he wants to bash his opposing number at all costs but there is a line there and he can still be effective without crossing the line yeah, and I just had a quick look on Google for his age. He's 26 now too. So mm. it's not like he's 21 doing this. Like yep. half the career is in the forwards could be over. Like, yeah. if not, if not mm. more than half, as you're saying there, Andy might be off to the Super League if, yep. if it continues that way. Another interesting one that's been brought up a few times on the socials, Andy, is Jaden Ockenbaugh on the wing. Not too many people are happy with that selection. What are our options here? I'm, I'm looking at your 30 at the moment. Uh, what are the genuine options? Corey Allen is currently unavailable, I believe. Yep, for the first couple of weeks, yeah. Um, Braden Burns could play wing. Braden Burns could play wing. So so we, we've got Dufty. You're happy with Matt Dufty at fullback, I guess. So we've got Josh Adokar on one wing. Our centres are... Aiden and uh, Shop. Aiden and Shop, uh, the halfbacks, they can 
saw themselves out in a cage match with Trent Barrett at some stage. <laughs> um, so who was the other winger? Yeah, Jaden, I did. Uh, I did see a little bit of criticism again going going Jaden's way. There's something there, um, I believe, in terms of ability. Certainly in terms of, of stature and frame. I don't know if he has learned to use his frame to his best as yet. He's, he's only a he's only a baby still. I don't think he's you learn to use his frame because physically he's an imposing beast. Um, you know, again, has he improved under Trent Barrett? Uh, I asked that question earlier. Who has improved under Trent Barrett? Um, so who, who would you have? Jaden Ockenbohr, uh, Corey Allen, uh, Braden Burns? I would go at this stage, Braden Burns. Yeah. I think he's a he's a good solid footballer. You know what you're gonna get out of him. I don't see him making too many, you know, hair pulling yeah. out of your head mistakes. Yeah. Uh, I, I like what I liked him at Souths. Uh, I was a bit disappointed that he only got uh, ten or fifteen minutes against the Sharkies. I wanted to see yeah. him have a crack. Yeah, no, I, I I would I would agree with that. And the positive with um, Burns and Naden is very much interchangeable. So, uh, depending on where you are on the field, on who you are playing, if you wanted to play to your strengths and if you wanted to start a set off with a bigger frame, well, you'd put Brent Naden on the wing and you'd, you'd allow Burns in the centres. But if you wanted a bully of a, a, um, a centre, um, you know, you, you'd, you'd shift him back into centre and put Burns on the wing. So... Yeah, you wouldn't get any arguments from me over over there. Um, Jade Nockenbohr, look, it's it's amazing, but it's not new. There are guys that physically um, and visually stand out. Um, they attract attention to themselves, whether it's the hair, the hair colour, and very, very rarely does it work out. Um, and here's... here's Big Jaden with the, the dreadies everywhere. Looks a million bucks, uh, but it draws attention to you. And mm. the, the attention is good and bad. Um, ask Dylan Brown about it from last year when he when he went the, the blonde hair. Drew a whole lot of attention. Happened to have a bad game or two. And people were throwing bricks at him. Mm. Concentrating on his hair, not concentrating <laughs> on his football. Concentrating was- on his Instagram. So you got to be you got to be careful, and, and Jaden because of the the dreadies, um, very recognisable, easily and quickly recognisable. But it draws attention um, when when the attention's positive, bloody great. When the attention's not positive, you're ducking for cover. That uh, Dylan Brown one was ridiculous. He went from the next New Zealand halfback for 10 years to uh, ship him off to the Super League in a matter of about two weeks. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. Uh, well, the only concern I have for Ockenball, like he's, I feel like he's uh, a very much when like he's a confidence type of player. Like he dropped some easy ones against Newcastle. And I think yeah. he'd be the first to put his hand up and said, you know, he should have caught those ones, like as a winger, like returning the yeah. ball back. But he had a few uh, defensive misreads where 
there's the, yeah. the classic old saying: if your center comes in, your winger come has to follow because they'll just go straight through between them. But there was actually times where he, it felt like he was on um in a shop's pocket. Yep. And he couldn't get like it was just like it was like he didn't really go in. I don't mm-hmm. know if I don't know if that's something where Trent Barrett is should be discussing defensive reads or why does he feel comfortable going in? Like, what's mm. is it a trust issue? Does Ockhamball have a slight trust issue with his inside man? Yeah. Is that like a team bonding thing that he needs to do, or is yeah. it something that they, the centre winger, need to go and do something together on the training field? Because you'll get good teams, and they say that they always trust their inside man, and if they do mm. fall, they'll come in and fill the yeah. gap. But Ockhamball seems to be coming in even when the centre hasn't gone in, and it's yeah. two to one player, and then it's just easy, and it makes. The half are good, but I don't know if wing is his position in the long run either. Mm. I don't know if he ends up coming as a back rower, then he comes a part of Canterbury's big issue because we seem to have a lot of them yep. um, going around. So there might not be a future at the Bulldogs either if that's his best position. Like, yeah, because he's got the yeah. the, the size, the height, yeah, the frame. Uh, it's interesting. It's going to be a defining year for Jade Nockenbor. It, it could well be a defining year for a number of the guys that we have discussed and a number of the guys we haven't discussed. Um, it's not the strongest 30-man squad. Um, a concern has got to be you know, a couple of injuries in, in, in key areas. I don't know if if all areas have been covered. Some have, some have. Um, but, you know, um, it's going to be a defining year for, for, for plenty of footballers, plenty of Bulldogs, and Jaden Alcombe, in my opinion, is one of them. 100%. We definitely have one of the lightest depths in the NRL. You can just mm. see, you can see if we keep our 17 players on the field for the whole season, we might, you know, finish 12th yep. or 11th. Um, if we have two or three injuries, it might be. See that, sta- that statement alone, Maddie. That's that's disappointing because over the off season, you guys, you know you would have had genuine hopes and and brought up genuine opinions as to why you can sneak into the eight or, or challenge for the eight at very least. And now after one trial game, you're going, oh, shit. Maybe, <laughs> that- maybe we can't. So let's just hope it's not 16. Well, we well, could, I- as you said, Andy, six weeks' time, we might have egg on our face and go, why did we care so much about trial form? Yeah, that's but you're, right. You're right, though, just to... To highlight that, a couple of weeks ago, I actually had a dream of Matt Birding, Matt Birding putting on tries for a car. <laughs> well, I, I, think, I think you need to go somewhere and sit in the lounge, Matty, if your <laughs> dreams are consisting of Matt Burton and Josh Adokar. I, um, I wanted to add, like, just before we did the pod, our last podcast, where we had, had you as a special guest, we are talking about Canterbury and Power off, mm. off recording, Imagine the Queen's birthday game. Parramatta's replaced the Dragons in that game. And we're yep. thinking, shit, this was the Canterbury's new roster. They could be the top eight somewhere. Parramatta have just been in the finals for the last couple of seasons, so there yep. shouldn't be any reason this year. They shouldn't have kept most majority of their, their players this year. Um, and we're thinking, whoa, 50,000 in Olympic Park that weekend. Yep. And now Matt's gone, he's drawn the line for the Bulldogs saying that after a, a, a trial that he mm. said, maybe if they achieve well, they'll come 12th. Yeah. It's a good season. Like it was weird because we were so excited. We'll tell you, yeah. about, we're excited about Burton and our car and everyone else who's joined. And then already Matt's yeah, put the red line for us already by the sounds of it. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, look, 
you mentioned lack of depth there. I don't see the depth improving over the next couple of years. Um, you guys have thrown massive money at Billy Army Kickout. Huge money. Terrific footballer and deserves everything he gets. In the modern game, the priorities generally are your spine players, your, uh, your lock and your two front rowers. Then you complement them with your back rowers, centres and winger. Uh, you've thrown a lot of money at Viliami Kikau as a second rower. A lot of money as a, as a second rower. Um, I did see some stuff over the off-season. Wrapped you've got. Big Vili thought that might have been better off spent somewhere else. Um, Reid Marnie's on, on big money for next year as well. There's not going to be a lot of wiggle room, the Bulldogs. A um, couple, of, couple of blokes on huge coin. And anyway, if you've got, if you've got a, a huge difference in the highest and lowest player in terms of payment, you've got a huge gap in talent between the highest and lowest mm -hmm. players. So depth may well be a bit of an issue moving forward. Yeah, three more probably major concerns before we start to get into some more specific questions and um, maybe some predictions or whatever. But for me, um, the depth at hooker is a concern. Yep. The defence style, I think we've gone backwards under Barrett, yep. uh, where we were with Dean Pay. At yep. least with Dean Pay, you could see them breaking their bones and yep. <laughs> sweat and tears yep. and all that sort of yeah. defending their line. For you, um, Matt. With the Dean Pay, sorry, you could leave games when Bulldogs lost under Dean Pay, and you could you'd said that sometimes that well, it was an effort that the reason they lost the game. Yeah. It was more the squad. So I just wanted to add to that. Like yeah. you could leave proud of the effort they put in. You couldn't say they couldn't have done any more on game day where it felt like last year you could have said, Well, <laughs> like it could have been and, more done. Yep. The third major concern there, just to finish off, is the amount of wasted board attacking sets. It Yep. Peeves me off when we get we'll finally get a chance inside the opposition 20. So we've got six tackles, and the first three of them was just a crash ball or, or a hit up towards the post, followed by another crash ball. We haven't thrown a, haven't thrown a, um, a shot yet, and we're on tackle four. Uh, Matty, you know what I reckon that is, mate? And, and we'll go back to the very start of this interview. And I think that's a byproduct of, of one of my first answers that last year, Trent Barrett. Um, because he chopped and changed and, and, and did what he did. I think he hurt Brandon Wakem, Jackson to Pine, um, Bailey beyond Iodo, Kyle Flanagan, and also... Wakem? No, uh, mentioned Wakem. Jake Avarillo. <laughs> so be, because, yeah. they were, because they were in and out and changing and swapping sides so frequently they're now getting into a good ball position and the pressure is on them in their own mind thinking shit this has got to be the play so it almost it almost becomes too much for them because in the back of their mind they're thinking if i get this play wrong i'm back out in the reggies again i'm, I'm back on the trent's naughty list so um yeah it is a concern mate it is a concern maddie but I can see the reasoning behind the concern and 
And I feel sorry for these young playmakers. I think they've been dealt a really average hand. Really good point, Andy. Probably one that, because of your experience and your insights, can see more than maybe most of the average Bulldog fan. But, um, yeah, speaking from a fan perspective, though, you see Penrith and them like a one tackle, shot to the left, that didn't work, shot short side, shot to the right, and they get yep. to tackle five and they've had at least four shots at yep. putting a play on that might get points. And then you, you know, two hours or an hour and a half later, you're watching the Bulldogs and you go, hit up, crash ball, dummy half barge over. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just expressing and, my frustration. And, 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 then, and, and then a bad rubber at the end of it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, look, it is frust- there is nothing more frustrating um, than watching a process not pay dividends on repeat. Um, I don't mind watching something if, if a side continues to fail but changes up, you know, their process. But the dogs have got a history last year of same play, same thing, same thing, same thing, didn't work, didn't work, didn't work. Why isn't anything changing? Mm. Um, yeah, so, mate, yeah, an issue. I'm a little concerned with the, the Sharks trial game, which I mentioned. Matt Burton played the first, you know, 20 minutes. He was looking good. He had the involvement of the try. He put a long, booming kick in, which we haven't seen in ages. Like, we could kick clear out of our own half. You're looking yep. good, being very much involved with the first 25 minutes or so. And then, um, obviously, Sharks looks some dominance. Second half... Burton looked like he was just uh, watching the game. Um, I don't know if that was... It looked like a clear direction from Trent Barrett and the coaching staff was they wanted Avrilo to be involved in everything. And the first time we saw Burton, even commentators mentioned they didn't call Burton's name. They think, oh, he must have been taken off and uh, put in um, Cotton Wool for round one. They've seen enough. And then a ball gets flung out the back to him and then he just does a random little run or Mm. he picks up a loose ball and tries to make a break on last, it, when last tackle came, all I could see was Avarillo and mm. the end of sets. And I was thinking, well, our end of sets were going okay in the first, or well in the first 20 minutes. And I was like, I want to see Burton now get more involved in the end of sets. Yeah. And then the complete opposite, I was sitting and said, now I've seen Burton do this. I want to see him when he comes close to the line. And it felt like the, the more I wanted to see Burton, the more Trent Barrett did want to see him. You know, I don't know if that's just a mm. trial thing to see what Avarillo can do. It could be simply that, or is that how we're going to play? Uh, Taking Burton in, wow, the game. Yeah. I wouldn't want, wouldn't think that would be very smart when you have someone like Matt Burton. You want him involved yeah. as much as possible. Yes, I thought that was a concern. Yeah, no, again, um, a, hu- a, a huge concern for you, Doggies fans. One of several that that, that came up in that game against the Sharks. Um, gee, I hope we're talking differently about them in after round one or round two. Um, That'd be yeah, awesome. Sorry, Eddie, go ahead. Yeah, I'd love to see them do something. Um, and if they if they don't, within five or six weeks, um, Trent Barrett has got to be right up, sitting alongside Michael Maguire as the most under-pressure coach in the game. The club demands success, and rightfully so. Phil Gould demands success, and rightfully so. Dean Pay was treated like shit at the club and with a worse roster, had a better performing side. Um, if it doesn't happen in the first five or six weeks, not necessarily result, but performance, I think um, I think Trent might be on holidays. There you go. I'm going to throw a few positives out there. Some yeah, positives and, that I thought... And look, 
we're, we've had a, we've had a wins over the last 45 50 odd minutes there, there's a heap of positives I'm not I'm not poo-pooing the dogs in any way shape or form um, there, there is a heap of positives individually and collectively inside uh, what is a, a terrific footy club um, so don't don't see me as, as the negative guy. I said earlier, that's not me by nature. Yeah. But there are concerns, but there are a heap of positives. Uh, something that stood out to me, Max King's performance in week one, yep. just workhorse was fantastic. I thought Paul Vaughan uh, was, was solid as well. Um, I wasn't the biggest Paul Vaughan fan of the signing, yep. so he wasn't yeah. outrageously good, but I thought he was solid. Uh, I like the idea of uh, Layden and Adokar together. I think that could develop into a positive combination. Yeah. Uh, if given some ball and some time. <laughs> um, Marshall King had a few good runs out of dummy half, but that's, you know, that's always been his strength. Controlling a game yes. from dummy half is a bit different. Um, yep. So, and Burden had, you know, sprinkles of magic in, in game two as well. So there's some things there. Uh, I just think yeah. most yeah, players I, are in position. I, I, I think there, there are some positives. I see Aaron Chop as a huge positive. Um, I think they've probably got a, have a look at who's inside and who's outside of him, make a decision there and stick with it. Because if he's got uh, a second rower on rotation or an experimental prop at second rower, it's not going to do much for him. If he's uneasy about his winger and what his winger's decisions are, gee, what a horrible position for the centre to be. And if, if you if you're a little concerned inside and outside, but I think... Um, I think Aaron is a, a superstar. Um, oh, Luke Thompson was fabulous against the Sharks, especially in that first 30 minutes. Mm. Look, Max King was great. Uh, Max, he's been stuck in a couple of systems. He was a, uh, a maturing young front rower up at the Gold Coast that went to the Melbourne system. Uh, obviously, he struggled for game time, but, you know, duh, have a, have a look who he's behind. Uh, and he'll be better for it. And look, he he might not be a, a starting front rower at a at a at an NRL club at this stage. But for me, integral part of my seventeen. I I want a Max King in my seventeen that I can some weeks start with, some weeks come off the bench, and just know that he is going to care less about his own body than the body of his opposition. I've, I've Take him any day, hundred percent. And poor Alamonte had a good, good crack against men in the first game of the trial. I think that was his first game against yeah. men, so that was a decent yeah. performance as mm. well. And, and intimidating too, intimidating against men for the first time, intimidating that you're live on national TV for the first. Mm. There's a whole lot of variables. I thought Paul did well. Good on him, Andy. How important is round one for the Bulldogs? Hugely important. Jeez, <laughs> um, so I'd love to. I'd love to say no. You know, we'll give it a pass, Mark. But it, look, if we're being honest, they're they're playing the Cowboys, who have got a lot of very similar concerns. They're not issue before the season. They're not issues. They're just concerns. <laughs> but concerns okay. become issues after four or five weeks. Um, Am I wrong in saying this is a footy game that you want to win, you should win in in theory or played on paper and anything less than a win is, wow, uh, what the hell happened there? 
I'd agree with that, but then I saw some of the plays that uh, Cowboys put on against Brisbane, and now I'm yep. like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, damn it. Yeah, I was watching the Cowboys-Broncos game, and I, I've I've been talking to Matt, and I said, yeah, Cowboys are shooing to win wooden spoon. I thought, you know, look at their yep. Ross star, and I'm thinking, they're wooden spoon. I've got them round one. I think Trent Barrett's licking his lips, thinking how good we've got Cowboys-Brisbane. I can go on a 2-0. and And I was, expect, I'm, I was expecting nothing less than 2-0 before we go in. Mm. I think even though we were coming last, but I thought the roster we got, the players we've got, we could go to an O and we could be uh, after round two celebrating a perfect start to the season before we get against the top, the the big boys, I guess. Mm. And that would be the test where we really sit. Like, yeah, we might lose the next four games, but if we lose closely, we're a chance of playing finals. Mm. Then I watch Cowboys play and I think I swear Chad Townsend was so impressive. Mm. I was watching him play and I thought Valentine Holmes played well on centre and I was looking at him yeah. playing centre. I'm like, is that the right? Yeah. yeah. Is that right there? I don't know if that's the right thing. And I'm, now I'm walking out thinking, well, maybe Todd Payton made some of the right calls with some of yeah. these selections. And now they've got the headache of who plays 5'8", as in, in a good positive way. You've got Scott Drinkwater and uh, Tom Dearden who were both, yep. you know, in and out. But didn't the, the performance didn't drop when Tom Dearden went off. It was no, still it certainly the level with Scott hey. Drinkwater. Is there is a real chance that you guys start the season two and zero? There is a real chance that you start the season zero and two. One of those three sides can really make it work for them in the opening couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I'd love to see against the Queensland sides. I'd love to see the Bulldogs flying the flag. Uh, <laughs> actually, calling. Uh, calling that game for Triple M, the Bulldogs and the Cowboys on Sunday night around number one. Really looking forward to it as well. It's good to know. I might hit the old mute button and put the radio on. That's exactly what I was going to say. I've done that a few times last year. Chugged the mute when I heard that you're calling Andy on Triple M. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that, that's exactly how you should be doing it. <laughs> um, can I put one out for Andy quickly? Just to think. Bulldogs go 0-2. Uh, Cowboys get a... 12-point win against the Bulldogs, hypothetically, and then the Broncos win by eight in Olympic Park. A uh, bit of the same old Bulldogs, you know, their attack thing. Could you say that could be the end of Trent Barrett? Maybe not. He might still be coaching them over the next few weeks, but could that be the decision where Phil Gould and the up top go, do you know what? He won't last the season, or if he finishes the season, he won't be here next year. We're, looking, we're on the look for the next guy, or would you say, mm-hmm. oh, and two, yes, they've lost two against, but they should have won two, but let's give him some time with this roster. Like, what I, do you I, see? I think they'll give him a bit of time. I don't think it'll be two weeks. I think it would be more like six or eight weeks. Um, but the longer the season going, uh, the longer the season goes, the more losses that creep up, I would be looking over my shoulder for Gus's shadow if I was mm. Trent. Mm. Um, and that's just... That's business. That's the business of rugby league as it is in 2022. Um, you would, I, w- I would love to think that every coach in a perfect world uh, was paid well for the, for the job they do and saw out their contract because they all have families to look after. Uh, they all have wives to look after and kids. Uh, the reality is that doesn't happen anymore. It's a result-driven business. If you don't get the results, you get turfed. Um, and I, I get upset when it happens to any coach, even, even the coaches that 
uh, you know, you, you can see it happening to, and, and some in the past have brought it upon themselves. I get no joy whatsoever out of seeing anyone put out of employment. That includes NRL coaches who know, um, it was an old line that if you're an NRL coach, you rent a place, you don't buy a place in the suburb mm. because you might not be there long enough. Um, in a perfect world, I'd love to see Trent see out his, his, his contract for him, for, for his family. Reality is, if you guys start the season 0-2 and, and that extends to 1-7, and 7, um, I'd be looking over my shoulder. That's the reality of it. Just looking at the draw now, round seven, Bulldogs play Brisbane in Brisbane. Mm. That might be the Lark's chance. Because the Dogs start slow, lose to the Cowboys in round one. Yep. Even lose to the Broncos or just beat the Broncos, then go play Manly, Melbourne, Penrith, and South. Uh, then oh, rounds... is that the draw? That's the draw. It's, yep. Then we head up to Brisbane to play the Broncos, a team that we may have lost to only uh, five weeks earlier. That might be the the last hurrah. Wow. Looking at the draw. Okay. Everything we've said, just magnify or intensify that by 10 it, on the importance of week number one and week number two. You'd want to be 2-0 and o after you start um, when you're running into a month of footy like that. I almost think we have to be 2-0 and o for yep. Barrett to get through the year, unfortunately. Yep. I yep. think we have to be 2-0 and o just for our season to stay alive. Because yeah. if we're not 2-0 and o and then if we're 1-1 one and one even and we lose bang four on the trot... Then you're 1-5. Uh, and five. Yeah, 1-5. and five. Mm. History tells you you're not making finals yeah, and if you right. are, you're not doing... The, you're not going to damage... You're not doing anything worthwhile in the finals. So, yeah, um, exactly. so you have to be 2-0 and o just so you at least, you know... We didn't lose the four, it'd be four and two. And the so yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna we had you got a question John down here, Scott, saying, will the Bulldogs make the top eight? I'm gonna alter it. Will the Bulldogs finish higher than the bottom four, Andy? That's a bit uh, of you know what? I I reckon there's there's probably five teams that I could confidently say I believe make the top eight. Um, and for, honestly, from 6th down to 16th, I think will be determined large. I mean, it'll get determined on on form, but I think it gets determined largely on injuries and suspensions. Um, the injuries that we've seen, long-term ones to key personnel over the last two years in particular since they sped up the game, have altered a team's position and standing amongst the other 15 clubs. Now, if Matt, uh, take it with any club, but if Matt Burton and Luke Thompson spent the last six weeks of the comp out for whatever reason, um, it's going to be tough going. It's really going to be tough going. And there's the difference between scraping into eighth spot or battling to, to avoid the wooden spoon. You can apply that to, um, to the Broncos with Payne Haas and Adam Reynolds and Katoni Staggs. I mean, it's not rocket science. It's, it's about injuries and suspensions. Luke 
and Tavita don't have great records. Mm. Um, along with, uh, oh, God <laughs> bless him, poor Jack. Um, if it just so happened, if it just so happened that those three uh, let frustration boil over and all got done, wouldn't your forward pack be light on? Wow. It would be very concerning. Yeah. Mm. So uh, do they struggle? I I think it's going to be a struggle for a few teams this year. I think the Bulldogs probably, from what I've seen uh, and what I understand, I think it's going to be a bit of a battle. It's going to be another year where you are hoping to improve, but you may not improve as much as you hope. Who needs to stand out for the Bulldogs? Uh, if this the year of the Bulldogs make the top eight, at, at least come scrape into eighth position, who's the player who I suppose wins player, like, you know, the player of the year award in the club house? Like, who's going to be the one who takes it and does it? Uh, I, I build, I've got such a big rap on Luke Thompson. I build everything around him. Um, the flashier players, Matt Dufty, has got to improve his defence. Um, mm -hmm. But that last line of defence and commitment to put his body in the pl in, in, in the space. Um, there's two guys just off the top of my head. I mean, the, the logical one's Matt Burton. But the, the two guys off the top of my head would be Matt Duffy and Luke Thompson. But they need some, they need some help. And, and Luke, in particular, needs some help from some of these new guys. He can't do it all his own. Now, let's say we just ignore everything we've said for the last hour and somehow the Bulldogs surprise us all and make the top eight. I'd have what? a smile. I'd have a smile. <laughs> what would we, in that scenario, what's different this year than last year? Uh, cohesion and learning, individual or collective learning. We, we said earlier, which players have improved in the last 18 months? Which players have improved under Trent Barrett? And the three of us scratched our heads. I would like to think that over the course of, of this year, that there's 20 out of the 30 players within the, the squad that actually do improve. And, and they do have it in them. Um, but to be honest, we've seen a couple of players go backwards over the last 18 months. And, and that's where the alarm bells are ringing. Is that, um, just a unrelated question, is that a concern if the Bulldogs don't make finals this year, and yes, they've recruited two stars for next for next year. Does it make it hard for 2024? Because I'm starting to think if they don't make the, or to have a, a decent improvement, if I was a footy player, why would I want to go there? I'll take less to go here because I'm, it feels like everyone's going backwards by one instead of going forward. Well, there, there, there's been a big clean out of players um, that will continue at the end of this year, I've got mm. no doubt. Um, so going into 23, it will be you look again, going into 24, we probably won't recognise the 30 that we're looking at in front of us at the moment. Mm. Um, it's too good a club to be down for too long. It, that, that's the facts. Too good a club with too good a history um, and too passionate a supporter base to be, to be down for too long. Feels like we already have been, to be honest. Yeah, oh, mate, yeah. as an eel, I know that feeling, trust me. <laughs> um, just looking at the last three games, too, it goes Paramedic, Cronulla, Manly. <laughs> it doesn't get any better. Um, mm. 
say we do lose our coach this year, who who's out there? Who's going to come in and replace? What are the options? Okay, um, this is just my theory. Um, I think there's two clubs, maybe three in the game, and the the two definites are Manly and Canterbury. The third may be Brisbane, that need an in-house coach, need an old boy, need a Bulldogs man. And you had the Bulldogs man and you treated him like crap. You had Dean Pay. Um, that that's such a huge endorsement on the culture of the club and what the club has been built from and by. I think you guys need a dog. I think Manly needs a seagull. Um, for Para Penrith, uh, the Gold Coast, I don't think it's as tribal as that. Therefore, it doesn't matter. Um, Jim Dimmick. That's the name I was thinking of. Jimmy, yeah. D- Jimmy, D- Dean wouldn't come back, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame him. Um, that could have been handled better. That that actually that could have been done a whole lot better, uh, and and I won't even start on that because Dean's a mate of mine. Um, is, is Jim Dimmick the guy to come back? Is is there another ex bulldog out there that that I'm forgetting that can that can bring that bulldog spirit back? Des has done it at Manly, mm. uh, where De, where Des had failings at your joint. Um, despite you know success in the first couple of years, um, his failings at Belmore, um, he's turned them around at Manly. Us versus them mentality. That's what the Eagles are good at. That's what the Bulldogs were good at. Us versus them. And I can't think of any other coaches off the top of my head apart from Jimmy Dimmick that um, have that blue and white in the veins. Well, question is, will uh, Jim Dimmick come back? Because after Des had, like, he was originally an interim coach yeah. after Kevin Moore, and then he yep. signed, and then Des Hasler signed, and then Hasler got out of his contract earlier to then take over the coach. He was promised at least a year, and yep. that was taken away from him quickly. He stayed on for a long time, and then when Hasler left, he applied with Pay. And as much as he said he would have liked to work with Dean Pay, he said he was ready for a head coaching role, and he just didn't yep. see it happening at Canterbury, so he's gone off to Cronulla and the Gold Coast now. Yeah. Um, so if they came calling, would he actually say yes? Or would he yeah. just go, no, I've, you've had your chance with me? Mm. Like, I think he's a... I think he's a... Even though he played a lot of years at Parrot, he, mate, he's a bulldog. He really is, uh, Jimmy. And and I think he would answer the calling. I, I do. Uh, I don't say that with any insight. It's not a conversation I've had with him. Mm. Um, it's just a gut feel. I, I think I think he would. Um, but that you know, that's just my theory. There's a lot of quality coaches in in and around the game, um, and there's a couple of quality coaches that are going to emerge over the next couple of years. Cameron Seraldo, everyone's heard about. Jason Riles is is, is a first grade coach waiting. Um, he's moved over there to the Bulldogs after witnessing the Melbourne system. There's a lot of good footy men at each club. Um, and it's just my opinion that the Bulldogs need a Bulldogs man. It makes a good shout, I reckon. That, that would please a lot of Bulldogs fans. Other coaches, I'm just trying to think, that have connections to the Bulldogs that are okay. in the system right now. Justin Holbrook, 
Does Phil yeah. steal him like he takes? <laughs> what, uh, what, or... a, what about Gus? Seriously, what, a, what, a, what about Gus as the head coach with smart, younger football people around him? Gus lives and breathes it. He's uh, a footy tragic and, and there is no one that can motivate like Gus and no one knows more than Gus. And look, he's polarising, but that's the, that's the God's honest truth. He, he can motivate like no other and he knows the game as well as anyone. Um, so how, how would Phil Gould as your head coach with a couple of young assistants? And, and when I say young, David Ferner, one of the assistants at the moment, he is a wonderful rugby league man and wonderful rugby league brain. He is so clever. Um, so you wouldn't need to change the structure. Phil might want to. There's a smoky for you. The, you the, great, the great Augustine back at the club <laughs> coaching. Would would he want to would be the only question, eh? He's yeah, been out of the game for the so long. Yeah. Would he um, have the energy, yeah. The only other can... one, the only other one I can think of, he's been coaching in the junior grades for a while. I think he's coached uh in the women's league. Uh Andy Patmel. Yeah. yeah. Andy's been a, a, a decade-long coach um throughout the junior system and the pathways system at the Bulldogs. Uh I don't know if throwing a rookie coach into this pressure cooker ends with a smile from anyone. I think it's probably that's, too big a task. That's probably true. I'm just trying to think of people that yeah. are coaching that have a connection to the dogs. Jamie we'll, Feeney. We'll, Jamie Feeney. We'll finish this and get off and go, oh, that was good. Oh, I forgot to mention <laughs> such and such. Is, is Marco Mealy coaching these days somewhere? North Sydney. Is he coaching in North? Uh, last last I saw, he was at uh, at Newcastle. I caught up with him about this time last year. It was, I think. Oh, maybe, um, maybe the big o- the big ogre was up at the Knights, and he's had a lot to do with the New South Wales pathway systems over the last couple of years. And uh, yeah, very very good. I knew he was JT's assistant in the cup. For you, maybe that was a year before Newcastle, but he was yeah, might have might well have been. It was a lot of Bears Facebook uh, thing when they had him a lot mic'd up. That was pretty cool to watch. Okay, on, on Facebook, I think we're starting to yammer on a bit here. Does um, Scotty, have you got anything else you want to throw out before we say goodbye, or Andy as well? If there's anything that you want to touch on, yeah, don't don't take anything um, anything that I've said as, as personal. You crazy Bulldogs fans, um, <laughs> look, we've spoken about. Uh, We've spoken about our issues and our concerns and what we think needs to be fixed. There's a hell of a lot of positives. Um, there, there really is. This is it's a wonderful footy club. Uh, it's been down for too long, um, and I'm hoping I'm hoping in 2022 uh, you guys get to smile a little bit more than you have over the last couple of years. Not as much as my eels, but uh, if we finish <laughs> if we finish first, I'd love you guys to finish second. I hope nothing more than for us to go in, win round one, win round two, and upset one of those top four in the next week. And then everybody who's listened to this can tweet us in and tell us how stupid we are and how we don't know football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I want to see happen. <laughs> I'll happily take that if the Bulldogs are doing good. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> T- take any of the punishment. Egg on the face, I'll be happy with that one. Yeah. I want to add, uh, Andy Raymond, your podcast, Unfiltered, I've Thought we'd give it a plug. Uh, I listened to Josh Morris's one. Uh, 
I think I said that last time, David Gillespie's one, which mm. was absolutely outstanding. There is uh, every, you know, every club, ex-players, current players, mm. uh, there's, you know, the in-depth interviews, there's the short ones. I've, I've listened to Josh Reynolds's one as well. That's yeah. Before he went off to the UK. They're not time, like you said, they're not time sensitive. They're actually a fantastic podcast. I would like to say he's the second best rugby league podcast, Andy Raymond Unfiltered, but that's a there lie. It's number one. It's number one. We'll, we'll take number two off that list. But if you have a chance to go back and listen to some of them, they're so good. You can just put them on. I, I put them on the off season and I think I spent like six hours listening to old episodes and yeah. uh, the missus comes home and said, what did you do with your day? And I said, Andy Raymond, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, so make sure you give it a listen. I said I'd uh, give it a point, but it is a. I'll actually love the podcast. And it, can we get a spoiler, maybe, or can we? Is it too much to ask for a teaser? Uh, a teaser. I've I've finished uh, finished up editing my first Legend series interview for the season. It goes to where the week of round number one, and I sat down for an hour and a half with the great Peter Sterling, and it is the most amazing of interviews and insights that I think I've had the pleasure of doing. Um, and we, we talk footy from what I consider the golden era and, and the dogs would consider it the golden era. Uh, the early to, to mid 1980s, uh, Sterlow talks about Barr and, and Turvey and the amazing transformation from the entertainers at the start of the decade to the dogs of war at the end of the decade. It is an absolutely phenomenal interview, one that I'm really proud of, and it'll be out in time for round one. Oh, that's outstanding. I'm, I just can't wait to listen to it. I yeah. really can't. It's going to be fantastic. I love Sterling. Uh, that, that really excites me because yeah. I just listened to uh, Peter Sterling's Best 13 uh, yeah, episode today, and uh, I thought that was good. But <laughs> you've just yeah. talked that up. I can't yeah. wait for that. Uh, Andy, thanks again for coming on the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast and spending, well, an hour and 20 minutes it's been now, uh, talking some footy with a couple of footy nerds, as I called us earlier. We appreciate you coming on again. And, um, yeah, as we said, one of your last time you came on, you hit the top five of our most listened. So, potentially we'll do it again. Jump over some ex-players. I would love to do it again, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. I, I love your passion. I love the fact you're footy nerds because that's exactly what I am as well. Um, and I wish the doggies all the best and we'll do it again throughout the year at some stage, huh? I like that. I uh, wish you the best of Parramatta as well in this year. You don't mean that I know, Scott. <laughs>